What is going on, everybody? <laughs> we are starting all funky. Uh, this is the big news in the trenches. And looky here on this great Thanksgiving holiday, all three your boys popping off on screen right at you. Dude, it's been a wild day. I've been up since you don't even want to know when. I'm exhausted, but I'm here for the show. The show is going to give me some energy because we have a ton to talk about. It's going to be a ton of fun. I do want to know how long you've been up because I don't believe you. I never went to bed last night. That's it sounds like I'm reasonable. That's, uh, well, that's that's rational. So, all right, and... all right. Let me let, let me put this on air because I made a critical mistake today. I was smoking a turkey today for for a few of my friends. Uh, you know, good way of doing it. Well, I forgot to clean the critical components of the smoker last night before I put it on. So about six hours into a 12-hour smoke, the temp probe goes out. Smoker shuts itself off. I can't figure it out. Luckily, we had a backup plan. Turkey came out okay. It was almost a temp, too, when it, when it, when it, when it, uh, when it shut down. Uh, but lessons are learned. I'm still new to this, this smoking meats game, uh, contrary to what you guys might want to say so on to air. Speak. <laughs> but uh, I'm I'm living and I'm learning. That's 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 uh that's all we can say with this. <laughs> I could take that so many different. I ways. know I know you could. I know you could. I'm glad I feel you like are gonna move on. I appreciate you. I like I appreciate so to speak you. is just simple and yes. Everybody everybody Thank knows. Man, so it's effective. Uh, let's go ahead and jump on in because we have a lot of stuff to talk about specifically in college football this weekend as this Saturday is round one of the FCS playoffs. It's also rivalry week in the FBS. There's a ton of things to discuss, but as we do this season, we're going to start off with the NFL. I like it, man. Big news coming out of the NFL this week. Sorry. <laughs> Hold on. God. I was pulling up the list. Okay. <laughs> Hold um, on let's just let's just pull it up on screen then. Uh yeah, so yeah, there's I'm sorry about that. I was pulling the whole fame. I was I was trying to pull it up in NFL.com apparently plays videos and no longer lets you pause them. So yes. I've been fighting with that. Correct. <laughs> I thought you were just that amazed that Mac Jones fumbled the ball like he's some kind of great quarterback. No, my internet's not good enough for me to have my TV on up here, remember? (laughs) It's not good enough for you to open NFL.com either. Apparently. (laughs) No, no, it's good enough to open it, but it's playing a video in the background and it threw me off. I was like, what is this sound? All right. Yeah, we have semifinals for the whole thing. (laughs) Yeah, this happens every year around this time. It's amazing. And I inevitably get happy and then frustrated. Yeah, because Zach Thomas makes this list every year and not the one that counts. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's, I think, what, seven inductees uh, every year, something like that, of the modern list. I uh, feel like it's about, you know, we, we have it on here that we picked five. We wanted to pick five. And I feel like it's about five, and then there's one, like, legacy and one – contributor or yeah yeah i mean it's it's a little bit there's some limit but i thought it'd be a cool idea for us to just pick 
Like, if we could only induct five guys off of this list here, who would we take? I like it. Uh, and I say, I can, I'm pretty sure I can speak for all of us and just go ahead and say, uh, Darrell Revis is on all of our lists. <laughs> and, yeah. And Joe Thomas is on all and, of our lists. And, and Joe Thomas, definitely. Uh, those guys would be first ballot Hall of Famers and deservedly so. Um, I guess let's start with Buck. Who else you got in mind? Yeah, so I'll go first with uh, the guy that you and me have in common as well, Jared Allen. And partially it's because he was most effective early in his career with the Vikings. However, he still maintained that intimidation, ferocity, and still had it, even when he was playing with the Bears and other teams uh, to round out his career. There was never really a massive drop-off. He always had to account for Jared Allen. So I'm going with Jared Allen there. the next guy I've got is Torrey Holt, who I keep forgetting isn't in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Isaac Isaac Bruce and Marshall Falk and Kurt Warner were absolutely the cornerstones and the staples of the greatest show on turf. I think Torrey Holt could have done it by himself too. And that's the proof is kind of in the pudding that he was still putting all these amazing numbers up after those two guys, three guys really left the team. The rest of the Rams just sucked ass. So I think Torrey Holt's absolutely deserving. Again, I'm surprised he's not already in. And then last but not least, this is a bit of a homer pick with Devin Hester, but he still has the most career kick returns for for touchdowns in league history, even if he got passed up on kickoffs uh, by Cordell Patterson earlier this week. But he completely changed the game. Teams had to account for it. It's not something, even with a guy like Cordell Patterson, you just kick the ball off. Nobody really wants to nobody's really kicking away from him the same way they were from Devin Hester. And I don't know if we'll see anybody like that again. Yeah, I would say Devin Hester has a real shot, but he's only a special team. See, yes, special teams matters. I understand. And I agree. And I was frustrated with this when he was a rookie because he deserved rookie of the year. He, he changed the game so much as a returner his rookie year, and there's no special teams category. So how is he going to win rookie of the year? There are people everywhere saying he deserves it, but we can't really give him the offensive one because he doesn't you know, run the ball from scrimmage or receive the ball from scrimmage. We can't really either give him the defensive one because he's not picking off passes and making tackles. So he's got plenty of recognition throughout his career. He doesn't need the Hall of Fame, but when you look at a specialist that deserves to be in the Hall of Fame the most, I don't think there's any specialist in the Hall of Fame currently that deserves it more than Devin Hester does now. Also, we can say he's just a special teamer, but then we realize there's punters in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and we did have a kicker win Super Bowl MVP, so that that's my like that's my point. And special uh, teams matter. Season MVP. (laughs) Special teams matters. Uh, So I want to see yeah you you already hit on jared allen just a dominant force on the defensive line for like two decades freak of nature so kind of awesome i i was also torn between putting tory holt in or the guy I ultimately went with was reggie wayne um partly because it does feel like at this point Everybody who 
any absolutely dominated from that greatest show on turf team is already in. Tory Holt was the definitive number two guy. And I respect the hell out of him, but I kind of want to go with the number one target. Reggie Wayne for a long time there with Peyton Manning was one of the best receivers. I mean, obviously to be on this list in general, but <laughs> I, I think part of it too, is I grew up watching Reggie Wayne. I didn't really grow up watching Tory Holt. So just a, City yeah. <laughs> locale difference there. Okay. Um, but probably probably a big part of it. I also want to throw Patrick Willis on this list. I, I understand he's a semifinalist. I doubt he gets the recognition that he deserves and does get into the Hall of Fame, but he absolutely should. He only played eight seasons, and that's going to hold him back a lot. But he made an all-pro team in seven of those seasons. He was the greatest linebacker on the field. I I love I love watching Patrick Willis play. Look, I love all of the names that you guys are bringing up. I actually agree that they all belong in the Hall of Fame. It's also why I think it's a shame that when you have a class like this, you can only limit it to like five or six guys. Actually, I think it's anywhere from like five to eight is what they say. And it's based on a percentage of votes that they all receive. Um, I'm going to highlight a couple different names because there's more names on here that deserve to be highlighted. Uh, number one I'm going to go with here uh, is going to be Rodney Harrison. The dude was a staple uh, of various defenses, namely the Patriots in their early dynasty uh, way back in the early 2000s. The dude was absolutely insane. Uh, a name I, I distinctly remember all over the place uh, anytime. Granted, I was up in New England. Um, definitely a name that I think belongs in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Andre Johnson's another one that's worth a look at. I don't think he gets in this time, but he, his career is worth noting. Uh, I actually like London Fletcher this year. Uh, I think he's got a solid resume uh, playing for the commanders throughout his entire career. He means a lot to that, to that team. Uh, I think he's going to be, be the guy uh, and he deserves to be in there. And then you guys know my stance on Zach Thomas. We don't need to get into it. Um, but I also think he absolutely deserves to be in there. I mean, I would love to see the vast majority of these guys actually get into the Hall of Fame, at least at some point. As far as this year, though, out of this list, that's probably my top five, the ones I said. So I, I would argue it's probably easier to find five guys on here that don't belong in the Hall of Fame than to only yeah. pick five that do. <laughs> true. Correct. Correct. True. Very true. Well, that's part of the fun of this whole discourse and the reason that they have uh, – those legacy guys that do get in, end up getting in after 20, 30 years after their eligibility yep. runs out. It's like, wow, we missed so many great players. Yep. And we still remember so many of them. And they, so many of them actually did change the game. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of crazy how we put these artificial caps on ourselves sometimes with all right. Pain, but right. Is what uh, it is. I, I, it does frustrate me, frustrate me, but I do kind of get it because you don't want it to be a, well, everyone gets in. Right. Um, you still want it to be an elite club, but at the same time, when you have a list like this, it's hard, man. I do not envy the Hall of Fame voters this year. Uh, moving on, uh, the quarterback carousel has started in the NFL this week. 
Uh, we're going to start down in Carolina with uh, Sam Darnold being named the starter over Baker Mayfield and P.J. Walker. Kyle Allen taking over for Davis Mills. The General Mills uh, is taking a seat on the bench. And then this one, I, I did this one last because to me it feels like this is more of a punishment than anything else. Uh, Mike White is going in for Zach Wilson. Not only that, but Zach Wilson is not even going to suit up for this game. Joe Flacco's the number two. Oh, this is 100% a, oh, you didn't, you didn't blow this for us? Yeah, go sit the bench. Not even. Go sit in the locker room. Get your street clothes on. So I want to jump back to the Texans, though. I want to say this definitely tells me they're moving on from Davis Mills. Not that there were many people calling for them to hang on to Davis Mills long term. There were some. And part of it understandable, right? A mid-round pick who showed a lot of promise actually running a very simplified offense last year. Couldn't handle the adjustment to a new coaching staff. Let's go ahead and move on. Let's get into a position to get a franchise quarterback. Yep. I understand that move probably more than these others because Carolina's a dumpster fire and the Jets did this to themselves. I think Carolina was going to have this problem no matter what when you looked at their quarterback room to start the season. I mean, P.J. Walker, kind of a fan favorite type of guy. Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold failed number one overall draft picks. I mean, that's just – or first-round draft picks, rather, not number one overall. Uh, it's, that's just kind of where that quarterback room was to start the year. Really, everybody should have seen it coming for them. Uh, and as far as Zach Wilson, yeah, I, I'm on board with saying that it's a punishment. But also, he's been pretty awful this year. He's, he's got it, – It's not just this year. He's been pretty awful. Like, we pulled up his stats last week or on Monday, and he consistently has a 55.6% completion percentage through both seasons. And I, I'll give him a little bit of a pass last year, too. Like, he's a rookie, whatever. I, I'm willing to kind of overlook that, but he hasn't made any improvement. He's got four touchdowns and five interceptions versus nine and 11 last year. Like, that's he's basically on trajectory to do as bad or worse in the touchdown department and probably going to end up being worse in the interception department. Yeah. It's I just, need, for my personal sake, I need Mike White and Bailey Zappi to dominate the league for a solid decade here because Dude, we have the absolute domination of the AFC East by the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers, and that would make me feel good. Oh, that means you're waiting for Skylar Thompson to take over for uh, Tua, too. Uh, he did not play at Western Kentucky, oh, no, but we, if we keep the G5 train going, there I guess, we go. sure. I thought he did. I, I'm blanking. I'm sorry. Yeah, that was like Kent State, bro. Totally different. <laughs> it's basically the same. So. There's a K in there somewhere. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, I, I, I have no clue what the Jets are going to do. Yet another quarterback draft pick from the Jets that's just ruined. Well, I think there is potential for him to learn from this and grow from this and come back later. I don't think you're going to draft a quarterback this offseason if you're the Jets. I would see them potentially try to put a little bit more thought into who's going to be the backup quarterback. Probably not rolling with a, what, 36-year-old Joe Flacco. Might want to get somebody a little bit more capable of pushing Zach Wilson. But at the same time, it is concerning. 37. Like I, he is 36 right now, isn't he? No, he's 37. 
Oh, okay. Oh. So 38 next year. 38 so, in January. <laughs> yeah. So the reason I, I highlighted this, the reason I highlighted this as a punishment is I don't think this is a long-term move for the Jets. I really think this was Salah being absolutely upset with, with one, the performance, and then two, the post-game comments. Um, I think we will see Zach Wilson starting again next week unless Mike White comes out and lights up the scoreboard. Which would if be this... hilarious. And yet again, I'm waiting for the clear domination of Western Kentucky and all things AFC East. Because <laughs> the other thing I would say is if this were more of a, hey, we're done with Zach Wilson altogether, Joe Flacco would be starting, not, not Mike White, in my opinion. It's who started the year for you. True. All right. Moving on, I did not see the reason behind this, but I did see the news break. The Rams have waived Daryl Henderson. He has been picked up by Jacksonville. I think that's a good fit for him. Um, guys, what are your takes on this? Go ahead, go first, go So ahead. I, I think there's two things to look at. First of all, this would have been the end of Henderson's rookie contract. And – do they resign him or not? I honestly have no idea. He's had a lot of injury issues out in LA, and his production has not been consistent to the point where you're comfortable with having him as your number one guy. I totally understand it, even if I'm very biased and would have rather, you know, kept him on my team personally. Uh, the second issue is that you've got Cam Akers and the relationship's rocky there, but maybe you're comfortable going forward with him. You got at least another year on his rookie contract and they did draft another rookie running back this season. This year's pretty much lost for the Rams at this point. It's not, they haven't looked good all year, whether Henderson's played well or not. Um, this is coming off of a eh, somewhat lackluster performance uh, compared to his previous, uh, previous game. So I think there's a lot that plays into it. Um, maybe he'll find success in Jacksonville, but he's almost going to be the third back down there. Well, not anymore since they traded James Robinson. He's probably going to be the number two, actually. I would I would suspect he slots in right at number two. Yeah. It's going to be – I would see, actually – so when Urban Meyer drafted Travis Etienne, everybody laughed at him for saying they're going to use him as someone as, as a slot receiver, which absolutely wild take. He's going to be a running back primarily. But this opens up some situations where you can run a little bit of a 49ers-type offense, if you will, where you have Travis Etienne as a good pass catcher out of the backfield, also capable of lining up and running some routes from the line of scrimmage. Daryl Henderson can be that workhorse back in the backfield if you need him to be. He's proven capable of that time and again why not give yourself that flexibility if you think that ETN can potentially line up at receiver for you at some point, which I believe he can. And I know Urban Meyer thought he could, and he did occasionally at Clemson. So I don't think it's, I think this is actually a great move by the Jaguars. It's, it's definitely got the potential if Henderson can light off, uh, and and that's what they're buying on. They paid nothing. They're they're buying the upside here, and that's it's. I agree with you. It's a fantastic move. I would also say this is why the trade deadline needs extended because three weeks, three four weeks ago, what was it week eight? So four weeks ago, it does not make sense to trade Daryl Henderson. Right. But it would have made sense for them to try and you know him be a uh, a deadline piece involved here, but instead they just have to waive him, and that doesn't look good ever. How? 
great would it have been if the relationship kept falling out with Cam Akers and the trade deadline were four weeks out from where it was, and so the Jaguars get Cam Akers instead of Daryl Henderson. Exactly. Jesus. I mean, this could have played out completely different. So, uh, The NFL's fun. <laughs> Absolutely is. All right, let's go on. We do have some, some Thanksgiving Day games going on. Uh, Bills and Lions were kicked us off today. Giants yeah, and Cowboys uh, had before the you get, b- Before you go there, just want to say, we all picked the 49ers to win in Mexico City, which wasn't close. So, <laughs> look at this, man. Look at this anti-meme slide. I know, it's great. <laughs> call, call of Duty ruined the 49 or ruined the Cardinals, rather. And just... Yes, absolutely. really. I if I if I'm the owner of the Cardinals, I'm suing Activision. <laughs> Jesus, class action. Uh, so I didn't put the winners yet on this slide, but we all took the Bills. Another anti-meme. It's good for us. They made it fucking interesting, though. This is the second yes. year in a row that the Lions have lost on Thanksgiving on a last-second field goal. Yeah. Uh, I will say though, it's always a pretty safe bet to bet to pick against the Lions on Thanksgiving. They, for whatever reason, have not won a Thanksgiving game in, like, five years. Because they're not good. They, You're right. <laughs> you're right. The Bills they, are surprisingly not that dominant, I guess. I was going to say, that th- this is what's scaring me, and I think a lot of this comes down to, like, if I'm a Bills fan, why I'm still scared of the injury with Josh Allen. He's still dealing with that UCL injury. Um, that's in the elbow, and the longer he plays on it, it I'm not saying it's going to get worse, but the discomfort's going to stay longer. Um, and I, I think that is a major factor in kind of what's going on in, in Buffalo right now. Um, they're, they've had a lot of close games that are uncharacteristic of them. Hey, Devin Singletary's looking solid, though. About time. Yeah, took him long enough. Uh, the second game, the Cowboys did win. It looked good there for me for a bit for uh, with the Giants. Look, I'm going to be honest with you guys. This was my I need to be a little bit different pick. Uh, it looks like Doug, you and I both have these on this slide. Um, look, it's an in-division game. I thought it could have gone either way. Cowboys are showing a lot of a lot of high-scoring potential right now, which they haven't. And C.D. Lamb went absolutely off. Uh, what a showcase to try and draw in Odell Beckham, and I think that might have worked. Uh, CDs, touchdowns. Even though Dalton <laughs> Schultz caught two back-to-back, this was an absolutely amazing performance by the Cowboys. The, the first half was rough for sure, uh, but they they pulled away entirely it, in the second half. And well, they, yes. 28 unanswered in the second half, something like that. No, more than that. I don't know. I started running around to take a shit and do stuff before the end of the game. I think it was 32 Uh, unanswered. Rumble and Nancy, they got Nalan's dick out of their mouth yet. They were choking on it the whole game. Peyton Bronco, you're absolutely right. And I have no idea. Probably not. That's what they get paid to do. Doubt it, yeah. They weren't choking. According to Peyton Bronco, they were chalking on it the whole game. So that made a huge difference. I had to point that out. <laughs> no, uh, all right, this is legitimately what happened. Last week, the Cowboys and the Vikings played. I picked the Vikings for some unknown reason. And then the Cowboys did ungodly things to that Vikings <laughs> team. 
<laughs> so I said this week, okay, first of all, I'm picking the Cowboys. And second of all, fuck the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> so it was not a I'm going to be different pick. It's a the Vikings are actually pretty garbage. I'm so, going to take whoever plays against them no matter what this week. <laughs> so look, I had the same exact mindset of you as when I was picking this game. And then I looked back at the Patriots game last week and went, whoa. I am aware. But also, <laughs> also, can we just throw out the theory? It is possible Zach Wilson was banging Mac Jones's mom, and that caused some, you know, disruptions. They, this has not been confirmed nor denied, so it is a distinct possibility. <laughs> we know he's a milf hunter. He bags and tags cougars nonstop. It's the he only has... thing he's good at because he's not Fun. good at football. Fun. So, <laughs> unlike some other NFL quarterbacks, he has the license. Wow. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's not looking terrible for me right now. I think it's possible Patriots do win this. Yeah, no, so they're currently up 10-7, to 7, apparently. Oh, my God. Oh, I messed up this pick bad. It's Kirk Cousins in prime time. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, all right. The- the piece I forgot, <laughs> Kirk Cousins in prime time. There's also some prime time on Sunday and Monday. Yeah, uh, okay, so we all hate the Packers this year. Every Packers, year, what are you talking about? No, Packers no, no. Hate you hate this them. Year. As you say, you hate them every year. Aaron Rodgers just... hates the Packers this year. He has for a while. <laughs> I don't know why this is surprising the Packers fans. Look, this is one of the few touchdown spread games that I'm picking with the spread. Um, that yeah. would be nice. Also, the Eagles are the home team. They're the better team, and they're home. Yeah, I'm taking the Eagles. Yeah, 100%. But I got to ask you this, Ben. What do you see out of the Steelers right now? They're not the Colts. <laughs> yeah, but I say the Colts, on the other are hand, are not, not the Steelers. Not the Steelers. Which... We, I mean... So, yeah, I'm taking the Steelers. You two are taking the Colts. Let's be real. The NFL is putting up a lot of lackluster games. The best mm-hmm. games of the week uh, already happened. Right? Yeah. Bills, let's be let's be real for a minute. Bills-Lions was bound to be a good game. The Lions were on a three-game win streak. They've been looking great all season. You had to wonder what was going to happen in this game. But then again, the Bills – Lions can't fucking win on Thanksgiving. I don't know. Right. So it, it's that, and the Bills stuck. always put together a miraculous comeback drive within twenty seconds. Twenty three yeah. seconds to go down. And, and the Chiefs do it within seventeen seconds. So and Tom Brady's done go. So the Chiefs are going to win the AFC title game against the Bills this year <laughs> with a comeback in overtime. Drive. In overtime. So so it's going to be like 20 seconds left, 25 seconds left in the game. The Bills are going to go down the field, score a field goal. There's going to be too much time on the clock. going to be like two seconds left. Patrick Mahomes is going to lob one deep. Touchdown Chiefs. They go to the Super Bowl. Calling it right now. NFL scripted, bro. (laughs) I'll say this. I'm liking what I'm seeing out of Kenny Pickett the past couple weeks. He's getting consistently a little bit better. Building and this is a good team to have a breakout game against. I I like it. You know, it's this one. This one really is a coin toss to me, though. So, 
so who you take, Jalen Hurts or Kenny Pickett? And no, there's take, a real. I'll take Jalen Hurts over there. We... Okay, so the the reason I'm going with the Colts here is actually what they've showed me the past two weeks. Um, they they beat the Raiders. Yeah, okay, cool, not a big deal. But then a one point loss to the Eagles. I believe that was on the road. That's no, it was in. Oh, was, okay, so is that in Indy? That's still pretty good to contain Jalen Hurts to 17 total points. Um, Look, it's it's been this will be the third game that Jeff Saturday has been the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, or Jeff Sunday as I call him now. And <laughs> I've my, how your, my how your my how your your tune has changed. I I just need to play into the meme, bro. Jeff fucking Sunday. I've picked the Colts three straight weeks now, and I will be right. It will happen. <laughs> that's my logic. I'm with you. Let's ride it. <laughs> uh, but that's Monday night. We also have some games Sunday that we think are worth watching. Uh, what do we got? Quarterback controversies. Hell we got yeah. a game filled with quarterback controversies. And we this game about- is going to be ugly. We already talked about the Jets. The Jets have a top defense. The Bears do not. Uh, and I have no idea what the Bears' offense will look like if Justin Field isn't involved in it, and he shouldn't be. But he's a fucking warrior, and he apparently wants to play with a separated shoulder. So I I don't know that I would let him play, but fuck it. If he run. plays, I want to rename the franchise to the Chicago Beasts. Dude, I don't know how you don't. And, <laughs> and and that's another thing, too, is you've got a stark contrast between Justin Fields apologizing to the defense in the mm-hmm. locker room postgame. Hurt had to come off the field on a stretcher, was holding his hamstrings the whole second half. And the defensive coordinator and the defensive players are telling him to shut up and stop. Like, don't apologize to us. And then you got Zach Wilson getting benched because he said, no, it's not my fault that we lost. Or, no, I didn't let the defense down. So... At least Zach Wilson didn't say he was seeing ghosts out there. That's that's true. I honestly probably would have taken this one even if I wasn't a Bears fan because the story here is just insane insane to me. I don't remember who – I think it was Trent Dilfer who said that if Trevor Simeon plays behind the Bears offensive line, he's going to get his brains pounded through his soul. I mean, it's – we'll see what happens. It's going to be an interesting game for sure. Zach Wilson would have loved that quote if it came from Trent Dilfer. God damn it. (laughs) But, no, I'm going with the Jets simply because when Zach Wilson doesn't play, Garrett Wilson goes off. He's going to have three touchdowns, and the Jets are going to win. Look, that's where I'm at. The Jets play better without Zach Wilson, as bad as that sounds. Their offense actually moves the ball. And, again, my my big concern is one you just highlighted there, Ben. I I don't know what the Bears' offense is going to look like without Justin Fields. I don't know if he's going to be able to go. And I don't know how effective he will be if he does go, uh, at least through the air. I know he's still going to be effective on the ground. Uh, there's no question there. I think it's his left shoulder. It's still going to fucking hurt to move at all with this fucking separated shoulder. But at least not his throwing arm. He well, kept playing in a college football playoff game against Clemson with broken ribs. Broken ribs. So let's, he's going to go no matter what unless somebody forcibly prevents him from going. Yeah. No, 100%. So I'm taking the Bengals at the Titans. Cincinnati is two and a half point favorites in Nashville, which is wild to me. 
looks like we're all picking the Titans here, which is also wild to me. I thought there would be some love for the Bengals on this show, but I actually really think the Titans have a winning formula, and it's one that the Bengals aren't built to stop. So it's a great matchup, in my opinion. Vegas doesn't agree, which means this is probably going to come down to the wire, and it's probably going to be a great game. (laughs) Uh, This is actually very important for playoff seeding in the future. If the Titans win this, they're eight and three. Like they're in contention for that number one overall seed in the playoffs and a bye, which I don't think many people actually expected out of them this year. Hold even on, though they, the rest they of the AFC South is garbage. They didn't use that to their advantage last year, though. I'm not saying it's a you know surefire that the Titans are going to win the Super Bowl if they get the number one overall seed. Just saying they get that bye week. That's very important. No, no, it is, uh, and I I agree with you. Derrick Henry's found a rhythm. More importantly, the Bengals, they're hit or miss, and you don't know what team you're getting each week, and that scares me. Um, I'm going to go with the, the more consistent team right now, the one who sticks to, it seems like the same game plan week in and week out, um, and, and see what they see what they bring to the table for me. Yeah, I got in fights with uh, Bengals fans saying the Bengals wouldn't make the playoffs. And they were so pissed off, they convinced me that maybe the Bengals would. And now I regret that I gave in to them because they suck ass. So, yeah, I'm going with the Titans. Yeah, I finished. I picked the Bengals to finish third in this division in the offseason, which is looking like that won't happen. But I, I really didn't see a repeat performance of last year's magical run on the table at all. I, I yeah. Um. I'm going with the, the Buccaneers traveling to Cleveland to take on the Browns. Look, this seems like to be like the matchup of the misfit misfit teams right now. Um, but I think it's be a good game. I think this has the potential to be a three-point game, which is why it's at a three-and-a-half-point spread um, in favor of Tampa Bay. Look, if the Bengals are – or not the Bengals. If the Browns are going to win the last game before they get Deshaun Watson back, um, this would be the game because I think they play the Texans next week. Correct. They do. The NFL script is this whole fucking thing with the punishment, um, which is why I'd rather see the Buccaneers win and why the NFL would rather see the Buccaneers win because they want, they don't want there to be any doubt that moving to Deshaun Watson as a starter is the right move. So the Buccaneers are going to win this one. That's so cynical. And I completely agree <laughs> on every point there. <laughs> I just the 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 Bucks have finally started to get a rhythm. I think they've won their last three. Now, um, that's going to be hard for them to stop. Cleveland is on at least a two game skid. Tom Brady's um, undefeated since the divorce. That's yeah. It's real. It's a real stat. Didn't make it up. Tom, Tom Brady. Tom Brady is undefeated ever since Antonio Brown has started photoshopping pictures of Giselle and putting him on Twitter. He got one fewer ring on his hands, and he's fighting to get that ring back. Just a different kind. Slightly heavier. Yeah, slightly bigger ring this time. <laughs> All right, let's go to our let's go to our sits and starts. Okay. <laughs> Five receivers. Hmm. Yeah. For no reason at all, I'm sitting to Sean Jackson. I think the I Bengals, can... uh, the the Ravens, are sitting him too. So, good call. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's questionable. If he plays, though, 
I, I don't know that I'd want to go with him anyway. Uh, his game has changed drastically. He's been an impact receiver just because there's really nobody else on the Ravens right now. Um, but they're not really being able to utilize him the way that he's used to being utilized. And with him still being questionable right now, I would just look elsewhere. I wouldn't I wouldn't bank on having to play Deshaun Jackson this week. Uh, and then for my start, we've mentioned him a few times, Garrett Wilson. I mean, it's it's pretty obvious why. You know, every time Zach Wilson doesn't play, he has an amazing game because it's like he's an amazing receiver or something, and Zach Wilson doesn't know that because it's not his fault. Um, so, yeah, start Garrett Wilson instead of Deshaun Jackson. Look, I, I love the uh, the toss-up softball of sitting Deshaun Jackson because he's probably going to be out this week. Fantastic. We need the, we need the pick-me-up, uh, especially with the – with the absolute baller risks I'm taking here in a minute. Um, I do love the, the Garrett Wilson. I'd feel a lot more comfortable if it was Joe Flacco starting, but I do love the Garrett Wilson pick here as well. All right. I am sitting, and yes, these slides are correct. I am sitting Isaiah Pacheco. I am starting Cam Akers. Why? Uh, look, sure, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire went down. Uh, I think he's going to be out for a few weeks, but we still don't know who the number one is. Is number one running back is in Kansas City right now with Clyde out. And the Rams have the top rushing defense in the league right now, or one of the top rushing defenses in the league. I don't like that. It's probably going to be a running back by committee. I don't like that either. So I'm, I'm sitting Isaiah Pacheco until we know more about that situation. I am starting Cam Akers. What? Why, why would anybody do that? He hasn't put up a double-digit fantasy game ever. Um, Look, they got rid of Daryl Henderson. He is now the clear number one out in uh, Los Angeles. They need to run the ball. Kansas City does not have a good rushing defense. This is his chance to make a statement and earn his spot on that team and solidify that number one position here. It's a risk. I know it, but I'm going with it. Sit Isaiah, start Cam. Let's go. We can keep this as our official picks, but I would also highly recommend looking into Kyron Williams if you're desperate, because um, I suspect he will probably get a lion's share of carries over Cam Akers. I'm not in agreement with Tud on this here, but I do think taking a Rams has, running back, either of those two is... Has Williams been activated off the good. IR? Yes, he was okay. activated week 10. Uh I just want to so, say, I, I hear a lot of analysis going into this, and I really think the actual reason you went this route is because Isaiah Pacheco looks plain and normal, and Cam Akers has this dope-ass visor, and he looks sick as fuck. So he's I, going to go off. I didn't see the pictures before now. You built the slides. That's not my problem. <laughs> Cam Akers looks dope as hell. <laughs> Oh, man. All right, let's get out of the NFL. Uh, let's talk about some college football because it's more fun anyway. We got a lot of it. Yep. All right. Let's start off with the college football playoff committee rankings and put them up against our BDT trench ratings just to see the comparison here. Now, obviously, the committee doesn't respect the Big Ten like we do. Or the Pac-12. Because yeah, they have reason for that. Uh, we put Penn State at number five. They have LSU at number five. Uh, we don't agree with that. But USC, yeah, probably about the right spot. We flip Alabama and Clemson, and we don't have Oregon in the top ten, which 
I think is reasonable at this point. But, you know, that top four looks pretty solid. I it, It's nice to see these top four agree. And, you know, aside from seeding changes, well, no, one of, one of these teams in the top four is going to drop out this week on both sides, that is. I would say, assuming, you know, everything plays out as expected, the favorites all win, USC would probably jump into that top four in the BDT trench ratings as well over Penn State. So it will probably still be pretty much in line with that playoff committee, which at least I like to see since I built this model and I want it to be representative of, you know, what's happening in college football. It's cool. I like it. Uh, Let's go ahead and talk about coach extensions because there's been a lot of talk going around about Nebraska's job, about Colorado's job, about Auburn's job. Apparently Auburn and Nebraska are willing to put up a lot of money to the right coach in the right and right fit. These three were brought up quite a bit in all of those conversations, and they all three got huge extensions with their current school, a.k.a. Washington, Kansas, and Kentucky just preemptively outbid Auburn and Nebraska. Hold on. Hold on. You know who's not on this list? Jimbo Fisher. Lane Kiffin. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Anyway, Washington's Kalen DeBoer. Got a million or so dollar raise per year, extended through 2028, and he'll get a whole bunch of incentives, bonuses if they make the Pac-12 championship, if they win the Pac-12 championship, all these kind of various incentives. I like Kalen DeBoer a lot. I understand the draw to bring him back to the Midwest. Nebraska looked like a real possibility there, even though this is his first season in Washington but he's going to stay with the Huskies for at least another couple of years. Kansas, Lance Leopold, the emergency hire, if you will, out of Buffalo when Kansas lost their head coach kind of randomly. Uh, Lance Leopold has a history of success at multiple places. Nobody really knew about him unless you paid very close attention to Division Three football, which most people don't. Uh, but Lance Leopold was a goon at Wisconsin Whitewater and then brought some winning culture to Buffalo there for a season or two before heading over to Kansas and they put up their best season in a long time. Not necessarily great by any means, but you have to start somewhere and people are seeing what he's doing, putting some respect on his name, gets an extension through 2029. We don't know that money yet, but I assume there'll be some kind of a raise involved. See, and I would, you know, we talked about – I talked about wanting to take Kansas-Kansas State as my game to watch this weekend. But the collapse has – of the collapse of Kansas that we yeah. hoped wouldn't happen has kind of turned me off of that game. But at the same time – excuse me. At the same time, I don't know how much of this you can put on Leopold and how much of it you have to look and say, oh, yeah, his starting quarterback fucking went out. You know, this is right. this is a tough spot to be in. So right. the fact that he's still got this team playing well and they have won two games since becoming bowl eligible, I mean, this is this is an amazing run for uh for Kansas. It they absolutely is. They have not done that. They have six wins in the year. So <laughs> but still. 
This could this would be their second one. Right. I'm so I fucked up what I was trying to say. It's it's fine. It's all good. And Kentucky's Mark Stoops also gets an extension. He has some clauses in his contract to automatically generate extensions if he gets a certain number of wins in a season. This is separate from that because this includes about a $2 million raise or so. Actually puts his salary above that of John Calipari, meaning he is the highest paid public official in the state of Kentucky now. Kentucky is a football school. There it is. Kentucky is a football school. (laughs) Suck it, Calipari. And this extension runs through 2031 with a step down each year of a new and improved buyout. He is not leaving Kentucky in the in the near future, at very least. I would say this contract probably locks him into Kentucky for at least a good four years before anyone really seriously considers even trying to prime away. I, I so, was going to say, unless somebody's willing to fork over a four and a half mil. Which isn't unheard of, but he, they would also need to provide him a substantial raise, I would say. So if you're willing to pay Mark Stoops ten mil a year and throw Kentucky four and a half mil on top of it, be my guest. That's but, wild. But <laughs> go but, ahead, I guess. But here's what we can say is this definitely pulls Auburn out of this because there's no way they can afford that. Uh they can't afford the rate with all the buyouts they're paying right now, there's no way. Yeah. Yeah. Auburn definitely wouldn't do that. So the other news out of college football, we don't have a slide for, but EA College Football, EA Sports College Football, will launch in 2024. There was a rumor it was going to launch in 2023. That was the initial timeline they posted about, but they never... Yeah, technically never confirmed. But the... Uh, yeah, the, the actual announcement came out 2024. There, it's not only an NIL issue, it is also a, I think, a stadium rights issue. So, and, yeah. And getting all of the fight songs and all the mascots and all the stadiums scanned in that they need to. It's a so, collegiate licensing issue. I don't even know if they have the deal with the collegiate licensing committee yet. So they apparently do. They just don't have okay. all the assets created. I, I don't know. There's a whole lot of angles to take with this. It kind of doesn't matter. We're getting a college football video game back in the near future. Right now, that date's 2024. I think it's going to be a $100 based game, though. I'm willing to pay that. <laughs> but EA's making it, and that's what makes me nervous. And I'll, I'll leave it at that. I don't want to get into conversation. Do, do you really think they're going to do a $100 base and not the 70 base that every other game is right now? I think they're going to have to to cover the costs. Here's because here's the thing, all right. Unless they only have the Power Five schools in there, they're going to have a excessive amount of teams, players, schools associated with the game, as opposed to most other AAA video games. So what they're probably going to do, if I had to guess, all Power Five players will be on the NIL, and you will have the CPU generated rando teams for everyone else, and it's going to piss people off. I would almost be willing to bet that's how they're going to do it. I can confirm as of right now, that's not how they're going about things. That may end up being what has to happen, but that's not 
at all what they're trying to make happen. And that's part of the reason for the quote-unquote delay. It was never officially announced for 2023, by the way. That was yeah. just the speculation. So this is the official announcement launched in summer 2024. And it gives me plenty of time to finally find a PlayStation 5. So Xbox Series X, man. Come play with us. I will. It'll be cross-console. If this game isn't cross-console, I'm not even going to fucking bother with it. I'm not going to let, let myself get excited and disappointed when it ends up not being cross-console. So. True. It'll be cross-console <laughs> or I won't buy it. No, it's, that's, it's that easy. Or maybe I'll just get an actually good PC. Start PC gaming the shit out of college football. That would be that would be worth it. Uh, but let's go ahead and jump into some of these games we got going on this weekend because there are a plenty of games to be picking from. And we have been picking games all season. Actually, 108 games we've picked so far. I do have a six-game lead on Tug there, who has a seven-game lead on Bug, which is perfect gap-closing distance for Bug to overtake us here in the next two weeks. And I promise you it will happen. That's how this goes. <laughs> Let's go ahead and jump into the ranked versus ranked at the FBS level because we have four this weekend. Uh, starting us off is... Out of the American Athletic Conference, number 19, Tulane, at number 24, Cincinnati. This will determine who hosts the American Athletic Conference title game. If UCF wins this weekend, it will be UCF at the winner of this game. If UCF loses this weekend, it will be a rematch of this game in the American Athletic Conference title. It's the second time in four years that's happened, and I really hope that's how it ends up playing out. But I'm going with Cincinnati. Uh, I'm not going to overstate the the home field advantage here. Uh, but I just Cincinnati's got more of a winning culture than Tulane, and I think that is going to play into this game more than it should and more than I think people are giving it credit for. I just think Tulane's looked better all, all year round, uh, all year long, I should say. Uh, and that's this year, that's what matters to me. I agree with the winning culture. Cincinnati has more of it. Uh, that does play a factor as well. Uh, but this year, I feel like like Tulane's got the, the upper hand in this one. I actually believe that Tulane right now, at least on offense, is more talented than Cincinnati, which is a statement we could not have made even last year. Last year. Yeah. It's kind of a wild statement to throw out there. Tulane has also beaten Kansas State this season, which is awesome. So I'm just kind of rooting for Tulane hard here. I'm picking Tulane. I don't feel great about that pick. It is definitely a coin toss in my mind, which I usually go with the home team. I'm kind of rooting for the green wave. That's where, that's where I'm at with this one. I'd be fine being wrong on this one, too, for the record. <laughs> Next up, we have number three, that team up north, at number two, the Ohio State University. In the 117th edition of the game, held in Columbus, Ohio, here on Fox. Both the final game of the 100th season at Ohio Stadium, right? Yeah, absolutely correct. This will be both Fox Big Noon and College Game Day. They will both be there this weekend. What do you uh, think they do there? Do they just, like, look across the campus at each other and go, they're on opposite sides of the stadium? Yes. 
I want to know which one of them will be set up in Buckeye Grove because that is beautiful. <laughs> Probably. And I envy them. Probably Fox, actually, because that's just too awesome. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're all going Ohio State here, which scares me a lot, I'm going to say. It, it scares me, too. I almost took Michigan uh, for the sake of not having us all taking Ohio State. I definitely put some thought into that. But here's here's my thought here. Um, and I'm using an argument you guys use. To me, these teams, Ohio State might have a slight edge uh, talent-wise. That being said, they've played at the same level all year from what I've seen. So I'm going to take the 100,000 of Ohio State's best friends um, over over Michigan this week. If, if this were in Ann Arbor, this might be a different pick for me. Uh, but in Columbus, I've got to go with the home team here. Uh, have y'all watched Michigan's last two games? Some of each of them, not have, the entire thing, you, because I hate them so much. I can't bear to look at their colors for long. The enough struggle, to watch game. the struggle for the Wolverines has been real, and the help from the referees has also been real. And yeah, I have seen Greg this called him out last week for that. And he had every fucking right to. I let's just say it's a good thing I was watching this game at work because I would have said a lot of horrible things <laughs> to the television. And I don't hate Michigan that much, and I don't care that much about Illinois if they win or lose. Um, but Michigan did not deserve to win that game. They were not the better team, and they, yeah, we'll leave it at that. Uh, because of that, I get this is a rivalry game. I get Michigan realistically probably only loses one of those games without any help from the refs anyway. Um, but I just I, – I don't think they match up with Ohio State in the way that they're going to need to to win this game. I want to first disagree with something that Tug said there. This will not be 100,000 of Ohio State's closest friends. It will be 100,000 of Ohio State's richest friends – his tickets are currently going for about $30,000 a piece. Uh, I entered a sweepstakes to get tickets, and I did not win. So, unfortunately, <laughs> I'll be watching from home this Saturday. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I. one of the big matchups I'm really interested in is the Blake Corum situation. He very clearly broke something in his knee. It looked like a bruised MCL at the very least against Illinois. He didn't play that second half. That was not the type of game where you're comfortable sitting your best player if he's able to go. So there's something wrong there. Now, he will absolutely play. Don't get me wrong. It's the game. If he is standing, he will do everything in his power to play in this game. But he will not be 100%. And unlike last season, where they had a double team of Blake Corum and Hassan Haskins, this is Blake Corum's offense. Nobody else can run that offense for the team up north. J.J. McCarthy is not a good quarterback enough to be able to throw on this Ohio State defense, a much improved defense from last season. So that matchup alone makes me more comfortable with this game, but holy shit, am I nervous. So let's move on <laughs> to Duck as, Face Fever Carnage. As our great friend from Down Under 
has dubbed this game. Duck face, beaver carnage. Number because nine, Civil Oregon. War is controversial. Number nine, Oregon at number 21, Oregon State. This will be the afternoon game on ABC. So I will definitely tune in for this one. Looking forward to it. Always a good matchup, and especially more intrigue this year as Oregon State's probably having its best season since the 1960s. So, <laughs> so some good stuff in this matchup. Yeah, I mean, Oregon has just improved so, so much from the start of the year. It's hard to go against them, even on the road at Oregon State here. I, I get it. I get why you're going with Oregon State. I just can't. Yeah, it's a home game. I can see where you're going with them, but to me, Oregon's played better all year, all year long. They've had a couple slip ups, but I'm I'm gonna rock with with Oregon on this one. Yeah, so I'm taking Oregon State for two reasons. Uh, number one, it is a home game in a rivalry, which matters a lot. It very much so. Number two, Oregon State's defense is one of the most physical defenses that Oregon will have played this season. The other one being Georgia, who shut them down to the tune of, I don't know, a 40-plus point win. I don't think that's going to happen here. It's going to be a tight game. At the same time, I think Oregon State's probably one of the best teams Oregon has played. And I, that sounds weird saying, you know, they just beat Utah. I'm kind of down on Utah after what I've seen so far this season. You know, they've played Washington. Washington has looked good at times, but also Washington won that game. Uh, I don't know what to make of the Ducks right now in this season. I'm going with the home team in the rivalry and what I believe to be the tougher team. It's entirely valid. It's which is it's tough. <laughs> it's interesting you say that because that is my exact thought process on this next one. Notre Dame at USC, the long-standing cross-country rivalry. The battle and, for the jeweled chalet. Yeah, and I'm going with the more physical team here, and I'm going with the more physical team in my pit, my game of the week, uh, which we'll get to here in a minute. Yeah, I just – USC has been on this trajectory – um, they're going to the Pac-12 title game, if I'm not mistaken, already. And they need this win. Notre Dame needs this win, but USC needs this win a little bit more. And being at home, being more physical to begin with, I don't know. People people say that Notre Dame is a more physical team. I've been hearing uh, it feels like it's kind of a dick-measuring contest when you look at it because USC traditionally has not been that way. But this year I think they are, and I'm giving it to the Trojans. I just think USC has been the consistently better team all year. Notre Dame has shown flashes where they've been better than USC. Um, but when it comes to a rivalry game, I'm looking for that consistency. Granted, I know I'm going to get the most out of the best out of both teams, uh, but the team that's been doing it week in, week out all year, that's the team I'm looking at here. So that for me, that's going to be USC. So I have a couple of counterpoints to both of you. I am picking Notre Dame in this one. I think the physicality is a wash. You're probably getting equally good defensive lines, and they are both good, in my opinion. Not that they're both mediocre. They're both good, but they're about the same. The offensive lines are solid enough. The real questions come in at Notre Dame's offense. 
which has proven a lot in its biggest games as of late. And the question for USC is, what can that defense actually do for you? This is very much a strength on strength with USC's offense, Notre Dame's defense, and a weakness on weakness the other way around. Here's the thing. That Notre Dame offense just dominated Clemson. They also dominated North Carolina. Uh, They are the ACC champs this year (laughs) by transitive property. Um, The only games they have lost, obviously, Marshall, Stanford, they look very bad on paper. Those are such different styles of team than USC this year. I think Notre Dame might be able to handle the kind of team that USC is in a much better way than they could handle the kind of team that Marshall is. And I I know it's ridiculous to talk about the Marshall loss as like a good loss or anything, but I think it's legitimately true that it's different enough that, and this, when we're far enough away from that game, deep enough into the season, it really is a different team at this point. It also is a rivalry game, which does (laughs) even some things out. I am going with an upset here. I know I am. I just think it's a, it's reasonably tight. And I would love to see uh, USC get knocked out of the playoff by their, one of their biggest rivals. So that's (laughs) fair. I also don't like USC. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) I wouldn't have been able to take possibly or not take possibly the biggest upset of the week which is why in our games of the week I didn't go with the Iron Bowl. Um, but, man, I, I, don't, I, I don't see Notre Dame winning this one either. I'm, I'm, I know I'm reaching, but I have some wiggle room, so I'm just going for it. But then we have our games of the week to watch out for. What do you got on tap for us, Bug? Yeah, so I talked about it a little bit when I was talking about that last game today. You know, we got a clash of styles here. The very physical NC State its what they've been known for for years, and it's a great brand of football in the very flashy and uh, spread-out offenses that you see in the ACC. Going up against North Carolina, who if you'd have told me they were 9-2, and two, I would have had to do what I did today and look it up and be like, holy shit, they are actually 9-2, and two, <laughs> and – Literally nobody's talking about it. Who is it? Right. Uh, uh, Drake May is that? Is he at UNC? Yes. Uh, I'm getting Freshman. real. Yeah, I'm getting real tired of quarterbacks looking really good at UNC because they're going to trick yet another NFL team into drafting them way too fucking high. And it's just it's. Oh, I I hate North Carolina football. Uh, that being said, I love NC State. I love their brand of football. Just like I was surprised that UNC was nine and two, I'm actually kind of surprised NC State seven and four. I would expect them to be at least eight and three, if not nine and two. Uh, I haven't watched them since the first week of the year, in my defense. So I'm going with NC State because I know that they've got this physical team. I know that's not going to change from where they were at the beginning of the year. And truth be told, I haven't watched North Carolina. But a young freshman quarterback, I'm curious what's going to happen if he gets hit and put on the ground a couple times. So a couple of things here. I agree with you on almost everything. The issue is Devin Leary's hurt. They're down to their third string quarterback. 
and they just lost to Louisville. So I think there are some real holes here that North Carolina can exploit. The weakness of this North Carolina team is that entire defense. Just flat out honest with you, the entire defense is playing like trash this year. There might be one or two salvageable pieces there. Not really. So if you put that bad defense in a situation where they're playing a third-string offense, maybe it's salvageable. Maybe it's an okay defense. If it becomes an okay defense, North Carolina definitely wins this game. Because Drake May is lighting up stat sheets, and NC State's defense hasn't been able to stop people this year like they have in the previous couple. I love NC State way more than North Carolina as well. I am actually a big Wolfpack fan uh, on the side because I feel dirty loving on them like I do because it's like a it's a weird almost more of a just I hate to play them I would absolutely despise having to play in a game against North Carolina State but yeah they're they're down a few key pieces and I think it's going to help North Carolina a lot you want to talk about Clemsoning? The difference is North Carolina State's not quite the national brand Clemson is, and True. they don't they don't ever get off to an eight no start to blow it against somebody they shouldn't lose to. That is true. <laughs> also, it's a rivalry game, and North Carolina is at home. <laughs> you know, what do you got, Tug? What are you thinking of this one? No, you already said the things I I, I was thinking there. If Devin Leary was in this game, I'm going NC State, but he's not. North Carolina has been looking fairly good on offense. Like you said, their defense is um, lacking. Uh, but but again, I, I would expect even what should be a second team positions in almost any other school to handle a third string offense. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking here, I'm going with North Carolina. I'm going with them because I think they get out to an early lead and step on the gas. Uh, that that's going to be the recipe for success because when you're on your third string quarterback, you're going to want to run the ball. So North Carolina needs to come out early and come out fast. If they can do that, they can lock this game down pretty quick. My game of the week is Minnesota at Wisconsin, the oldest rivalry in the FBS, not the oldest in college football, but at the FBS level. Also one of the most even rivalries in all of sports. Wisconsin holds the all-time record 62, 61, and 8. Kind of crazy how close this is. They battle for Paul Bunyan's axe every year, and it's at Wisconsin. Wisconsin's favored, actually, by three points here. I'm going with Minnesota. Minnesota has a lot more to play for at this point in the season. Wisconsin's already bowl eligible. I know Jim Leonard would love to knock off their biggest rival, potentially get that full-time job. At the same time, Minnesota has a shot at making the Big Ten title game with a win here. And it also kind of feels like P.J. Fleck is fighting for some respect in a way. People kind of overlook that Minnesota team, and this would be huge for the program. If they win, are they in? No. They need Iowa to lose. And they I think they also need they might also need Purdue to lose. I think they're technically above Illinois in the standings now, though. Damn. I don't know. Whatever happens in this game is going to cause chaos in the, uh, right. in the Big Ten. So, <laughs> right. I will stick I will stick with Minnesota, then, if that's the case. Uh, partially because of P.J. Fleck. Honestly, 
people forget that he's there. But they also forget how much of a game changer he is and how much better he makes whatever team he's in charge of. Look at what Western Michigan's done since he left. I mean, that's that's an absolutely gaping hole that's been left in that team since he took the job at Michigan or at Minnesota, rather. Jesus, I'm looking right at it. I'm lo- it literally says Minnesota. Very different yeah. M. Yeah, I'll go with Minnesota before I say something else stupid. All right, I love this pick here because technically both of these teams have a chance at the Big Ten West. Uh, with- Wisconsin does not. Wisconsin does not, technically. Oh. They, they're behind Iowa, Purdue, Minnesota, and Illinois. I'm looking at the standings right now. Minnesota's behind Wisconsin. Mm, they're both they're that's both not uh, they're both four and four in the division. Uh, in the conference. I don't remember exactly the reasoning, but Minnesota is not below Wisconsin. I can tell you that for sure. I have okay. this extensively. I was gonna say I'm just looking at the not denying you, I, I just thought yeah, the big ten yeah. website would be accurate. Um fair. <laughs> that's a, that's usually a fair assumption. There's Either way, more research that goes into it. What's funny <laughs> is when you go on on Google, you've got Illinois ahead of Minnesota, but behind Purdue and Iowa, and Wisconsin at the bottom. Chaos, yeah. I love it. Yeah, there's almost everything is up in the air. The only thing for sure right now is if Iowa wins, they're in. They're in. Look, I'm going Minnesota here. I think they're a better team overall. They they still have their their head coach for the season. Uh, yeah, PJ, PJ Flex gonna going to piece this one together, so I'm going with Minnesota. It's really crazy that Iowa State beat the probable Big Ten West champion, and Iowa State is the worst team in the Big 12. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Beautiful. Look, as long as the Big Ten West champion is not determined by a coin toss, I'll be okay. It could uh, be. There's... There's too many don't ties you, going on. Don't you wish they'd evil on me, Ricky Bobby? Yeah, I think a coin toss is like the ninth tiebreaker, so it it could come down to that. It would have to be some wild shenanigans this weekend, though. I'll tell you what. <laughs> All right, I'm going to move on to my game here. I am actually taking Georgia Southern and Appalachian State. Uh, look, everyone's probably wondering, Tug, you're not taking the Iron Bowl? No, the Iron Bowl doesn't really interest me this year. Um, it's in Alabama. Nothing is really on the line with this. Um, and in fairness, honestly, it's in Alabama every year, and if Auburn does pull it off, they're below. Okay, it's in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> there you go. More accurate. <laughs> there we go. Sage, <laughs> that's, that's great. I love that. Uh, um, also, yeah, if Auburn wins, they're bowl eligible, and they knock their biggest rival out of playoff contention because they, they shouldn't be in somehow. fucking playoff contention again. Thank you. Thank you, but but we're going to get to Montana, and uh, I'll, I'll give you a heads up. I need to update one of my picks. I totally blanked when I was picking teams. Uh, okay. But, but no, I'm, I'm, that game just doesn't interest me. So I'm looking at a game where bowl eligibility is on the line for both teams. Uh, and look, hey, every game with Appalachian State's a thriller, especially when something's on the line, um, especially when they're on the road. This has no reason to be a good game between two six and five teams or a uh, six and five and five and six team, but it's going to be. So tune in, watch it. Let's have some fun. Georgia Southern did beat Nebraska. So. And App State did beat A&M. 
Georgia yeah. Southern's at home. Which is that Texas A&M is one of Appalachian State's three FCS wins. Oh wait, Texas A&M's in the FBS somehow. That's crazy. They're, they're in uh, the SEC. They're like ranked number twenty-six. <laughs> no, so Appalachian State. The reason they're not bowl eligible, they do have six wins in the season, as Stuff just said. But they're not bowl eligible yet because they do have two wins over FCS opponents. They beat Citadel and they beat Robert Morris. Now you'd say, how are they allowed to do that? Isn't that against FBS rules? Yes, it is. But they were given an exception because they originally were going to play Marshall out of conference. And then Marshall joined the conference this offseason. So that kind of got scrapped. The only replacement game they could find to schedule was against another FCS opponent. So only one of those wins counts for bowl eligibility, which means in the bowl committee's eyes, they are currently five and five. So this is the winner of this game will be bowl eligible. The loser of this game will not be. Unless there's an additional need for some five and seven teams, because that happens every now and then. And it probably will this year, actually. But (laughs) anyway, (laughs) before we get to... The FCS playoffs. Mm-hmm. Oh, you gotta say something nice about your rival. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Who did that? Go oh look. no! Uh, whoever you are, <laughs> stop. <laughs> um. Okay. I actually do have something that's worth talking about. So I was, right before the show, actually, I was watching a documentary on the 2006 version of the game, uh, which, the game of the century, number one, verse number two, it was a little bit of a deep dive into the whole Bo Beckler story with that, too. If you don't know, Bo Beckler was an assistant coach for Woody Hayes at The Ohio State University before taking the head coaching job at a team up north. Uh, it fueled very much so, very fueled the rivalry, uh, even more so. And Bo Beckler is considered to be the greatest head coach in their school history. Um, he passed away the day before that game in 2006. And the emotion there was off the charts for a lot of things. Uh, but there's something that Bo Schembechler said that really impressed me. And Bo Schembechler is one of those names that's hard for me to say because he's such an icon for the team up north. So this also counts, by the way, the fact I'm talking about him on the show. <laughs> I, um, I knew that was going to be your comment. But he told his equipment manager and uh, like one of the team – I don't remember exactly how it worked. It's like one of the one of the staff equipment guys who helped out with the opponent's locker room was one of his big jobs and making sure that everything was good to go. So he was he Bo Schembechler told this guy, he's like, We want to beat Ohio State. That's our number one priority. But we respect Ohio State and we respect Woody Hayes. And you will treat that locker room as it, as if it is our own. And I appreciate that, and I hope that we return that favor. 
Sorry, Doug. I promised you I was going to do that to you before uh, during the week of the game. So, so I had to. And now you got a nice little anecdote. Yep. Uh, that made me almost tear up on the show, and also almost throw up on the show. I was going to say you might want to go wash your mouth out with soap now. <laughs> but all right. That's FBS games this weekend. There's obviously a lot more. Uh, it's rivalry week right now. There's the Egg Bowl going on. All kinds of craziness happening. We need to make a transition here because also this Saturday is the first round of the FCS playoffs, which means the top eight seeds will not be playing this weekend. They have a bye. There are 16 other teams in action this weekend in the playoffs. This is the first round. Let's go ahead and dive into our picks. Starting off with Elon at Furman. A little bit about these schools. Elon did finish third in the Colonial American Athletic Conference. Uh, Furman finished second in the Southern uh, with a surprise win for all of us over Mercer. We all took Mercer in that game, and Furman came out and won. Uh, finishing second in that conference, getting the at-large bid. You both are taking Elon, though. I'm going with the Paladins simply because I have been so surprised by them so many times. I feel it's about time that I start showing them some respect. I think Elon burned me twice this year. And I have a lot more I have a lot more respect for the CAA. Not to mention, Elon's best wins are against three other teams in the playoffs here. William and Mary, I believe, has a bye, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they do. Uh and I I love Delaware and I have a lot of respect for Richmond as well. So when you've got three wins against those type of teams, I'm gonna lean your direction. We've picked Elon a couple times. I've picked against him a couple times. And, and look, Elon is just a solid team all the way around. Uh, that That's kind of why I'm going with them. Uh, Furman is also a good team. Not trying to take anything away from them. They earned the home field for a reason. Uh, they didn't just buy it. Um, but either way, yeah, I'm, I'm taking, taking Elon here. That sounds like a shot at someone later in the show. Yep. <laughs> Next yep. up, we have... St. Francis of Pennsylvania heading to Delaware. Now, Delaware also, obviously, one of the members of the CAA, as we were just talking about with Elon. Uh, St. Francis won the NEC, went down to the wire the last game of the season against Merrimack. They had to win to win the conference, and they did. That got them the auto bid, and they are traveling to Delaware in the first round. I am taking St. Francis. I really don't think Delaware should have been – should have made the playoffs. They finished sixth in their conference. Yes, they beat Navy, but also St. Francis had basically a playoff game for the last three weeks trying to get that auto bid, and they won every time. So I have a lot of respect for St. Francis, and I'm hoping that they can pull through. I'm going with the experience here. Delaware is consistently in the playoffs, uh, and they're at home. Yeah, that's look. It says something when the committee gives the seven and four team the home home field over the the nine and two team because these these guys do play vastly different schedules. Uh, right. So, yeah, I'm I'm taking Delaware here. I think it's it's the the better pick uh, given playoff experience and given uh, the schedules despite the record. 
Yeah, I think the CAA got the love that uh, the Missouri Valley has gotten the past couple of years. True. And we're seeing it unfold here. Now, we, we're, I'm going to bring up this Navy win for Delaware again, but what that really shows to me is just how physical this team is. It is tough to stop a triple option team to the point that you beat them, especially if you're not playing triple option team every single year. Even yeah. if you do, look at what happened to UCF, right? right. So uh, I'm going to ride with Delaware here, go with the Blue Hens. Uh, maybe Joe Flacco shows up. That'd be fun. Maybe not. Uh, he, uh, he's he got a commitment on Sunday. That's fine. This is all Saturday, though. Yeah. It's close enough. Actually, wait a minute. Is that game in New York? Uh, yes. Then, yeah, he could. That's like a three-hour drive. Why not? Be fun. Uh, next up, we have Fordham at New Hampshire. Fordham finished second in the Patriot League. New Hampshire technically finished tied for first in the CAA. That's three straight games with CAA members. Um, yeah, New Hampshire – Came out of nowhere this season. Honestly, I didn't have any expectation for them to play well this season. Max Brosmer, quarterback, has been something of a revelation for them. Not expected at all. Uh, but, of course, Fordham has probably the most recognizable name at quarterback in all of the FCS right now as one of the stat leaders for the past three seasons at Tim DeMorat. So there will be plenty of offensive action here. That's what I'm predicting. But I am going with the Wildcats. I think New Hampshire's been impressive this season. I'm going to take the hometown team here. I'm going with the Wildcats as well. You can't just claim the whole Northeast is your hometown. I'm going with Fordham. For the Look, you, hold show. on. No. You guys constantly tell me how my state's not big enough for a state. So I'm going to claim the area that we Yeah, and yet get. you have 7,000 FCS schools in the state of Rhode Island. So get out of here with that Hold nonsense. Their campus does must butt up next to the nearest Duncan. I mean, that's all there really is to it. <laughs> Every Bro, there's Dunkin' like six... Donuts in your state has an FCS football team. I don't think you know how many you actually just said there would be. I told already said it was in the thousands. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> what do you got, Bug? Uh, you already covered it. I'm going to take the top quarterback in the FCS, at least in this first round here. I know it's on the road. But I like the Rams here. I actually do think New Hampshire winning would be a bit of an upset. I know they're hosting this game. I feel like Fordham is going to be favored here, and probably significantly. But I like the defense for New Hampshire, and I like the way they've been playing. So I just I took a shot. Uh, fourth first-round playoff game, Davidson at Richmond. Now, Davidson did not win their conference. That would be the Pioneer Conference. St. Thomas won that conference, but is ineligible for the playoffs since they are transitioning up from Division Three. Wild. Uh, we've talked about it a couple times already on the show. We'll get back into it. But Davidson is the representative in a coin toss. Uh, <laughs> Dayton was also tied for second in the Pioneer League, but Davidson gets the bid. And Richmond finished third in the CAA. That is four straight CAA games now. Wild. I think it ends here soon. I hope so. But what do you all got on this one? We got a basketball school playing against Richmond that had to get there by a coin toss, and the team they were in a coin toss with didn't make the playoffs. So I think that tells you everything you need to know about why I'm taking Richmond. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, there is one thing that you guys left off, which is a reason I'm picking Richmond. That is, Davidson quarterback is hurt and out for the season. Their leading passer on the year is a wide receiver. Uh, Davidson will be running the ball, and everyone knows it, and there's nothing Davidson can do about it. So, <laughs> <laughs> Richmond will probably have their way through the air and be able to hone in on the run and nothing else. Yeah, I would. I expect the Spiders to win. Look. 802 yards passing for a wide receiver is not bad. I know. Seven that looks like a, three picks. That eight, looks like a future a, a future New Orleans Saints or San Francisco 49ers pick right there. Uh, that would be something else. But we have four more games to be talking about here. North Dakota at Weber State. North Dakota did finish third in the Missouri Valley Football Conference. They are the one of only three representatives from that conference to make the playoff. Weber State is the host here. I've talked about them before being potentially one of the best teams in Utah this season. Find only Utah themselves. I actually do believe that to be true. Uh, they did beat Utah State to prove it. So, <laughs> even with the uh, what four safeties on punt snaps, I mean, yes, yes, uh, that was, that was a long snapper situation that has been handled <laughs> and. And I'm picking Weber State to win this one. Yeah, I'm with you on Weber State. I don't know how you don't take them. I'm curious why North Dakota got in. I get that you and I is a huge win, but but you and I also finished like one game above 500. So is it yeah. that big of a win? Uh, if they won it in uh, Iowa, yeah, I would. Say I mean, it's, it's going to get the respect, but yeah. uh, is it deserved? Look. UND is a hockey school. <laughs> Fair. Fair. These are facts. <laughs> so we're going with Weber State. Next up, we do have Gardner-Webb at Eastern Kentucky. Two completely different conferences. Finally. Going up against Colonel Sanders. Thank you. Thank you. I know he hates it, but it's, it's not, true. It's not Colonel Sanders, though. It's legitimately not Colonel Sanders. Kind of fucking fooled me. I just, I wish I could be at the game to get some fucking fried chicken. You don't have to be at the game to get fried chicken. You probably have a KFC like around the corner. It's probably, there's probably one on base. There's not. Anyway, Gardner Webb finished first in the Big South. They did finish six and five on the season, but three of those losses were to FBS opponents. So maybe a little bit misleading there. They went undefeated in the Big South as a result. Uh, those three FBS losses are to Coastal Carolina, Marshall, and Liberty, all of whom have been above-average teams in the FBS level this season. Bad. So, a lot of respect for Gardner-Webb. Eastern Kentucky, on the, on the other hand, finished second in their conference. Jacksonville State won the A-Sun, but is currently in transition up to the FBS level. They will be joining Conference USA in 2024. So they're above the scholarship limit for the FCS right now, making them ineligible. That one I totally understand. Yeah. For St. Thomas and Merrimack being ineligible, Let them I do not play. understand. Let them but, play. Uh, well, and then Jacksonville State's going to be ineligible for bowl games when they get to the FBS, too. So it's, right. they're getting right. fucked on all sides. But Eastern Kentucky, again, this was a coin toss between them and Austin P, since these two Let's teams tied P. for second in the ASUN. Uh, but Austin P beat Eastern Kentucky in the regular season, so I don't think this should how, have been a coin toss at all. How do you coin toss 
The... I'm losing a lot of respect for the FCS playoffs. <laughs> but uh, I actually think I'm taking Eastern Kentucky here. I think that's that's an upset pick. But Tug, you're with me. Yeah, again, we've we've dealt with Eastern Kentucky a few times this year, and I I, I don't know. I just like them. I like the way they play. Um, I feel like we've picked Gardner Webb once this year. I think that came up in a ranked matchup in the FCS. Um, early in the season. Uh, no, I just, I like, like Eastern Kentucky in this matchup and I, I like Colonel Sanders. So I'm a big fan of quarterback Parker McKinney. He's put together a pretty outstanding season, actually the best quarterback in the ace on by a lot. So you mentioned that they lost to Austin P. Yes. I, I haven't P. watched Eastern Kentucky play, but I have watched Austin P play a couple games, including a game against Central Arkansas where they got fucking boat raced. Yeah, but they held Alabama to 34 points. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm not impressed that it took a coin toss for them to get in over uh, Austin Peay's. And right. again, you, you kind of hit it already. What Gardner-Webb was able to do going through the Big South and then playing the FCS or FBS opponents they played, Marshall is the only one on there that's kind of, you know, you could even make the argument as a slouch. Liberty is a solid team. And, Coastal and they Carolina, only lost to Liberty by about two points. Exactly. And Coastal Carolina should absolutely be ranked in the right. FBS. So, I like Gardner-Webb a lot, and I'm going to ride with Bulldogs. I really thought I was going to be alone, and I was picking Eastern Kentucky as a, like a wild card pick here. but Bro, I'm the wild card. card. I, I'm literally the wild card here. Uh, okay. Next up, we have Idaho at Southeastern Louisiana. Idaho is the... They finished third in the Big Sky, but I'm kind of surprised they made it in, honestly, at 7-4. and four. And Southeastern Louisiana did win the Southland Conference. Uh, they technically finished tied in the standings with Incarnate Word, but they did win the head-to-head, which means the Southland Conference did it right and didn't go to a coin toss when Thank they tied you. the standings and just went with the head-to-head result. Um, Southeastern Louisiana also has two FBS losses on their schedule. So as far as the committee was concerned, this was an eight and one team, not an eight and three team. Uh, they lost to Louisiana and Florida Atlantic. So not necessarily great FBS schools, but at the same time, those aren't really going to count against them as far as the playoffs concerned. SLU gets in here with uh, kind of a weird situation at quarterback. Got to say they're, kind of going back and forth between a traditional pocket passer and a very dual threat guy. Last season, we were on top of SEL for Cole Kelly, that whole story. His phenomenal couple of seasons at SEL. Six, that is, seven, 290 pounds. Right. Built like a fucking tank. Yeah. The hefty righty. <laughs> but You're not uh, wrong. But this season, they're going back and forth between the pocket passer, Eli Sawyer, and then Cephas Johnson the third, who has almost as many passing yards and more total touchdowns if you include his rushing stats in there as well. He is the second leading passer and second leading rusher on the team. So they go back and forth. It's some interesting stylistic issues there. And Idaho is very much so a traditional offense. Uh, they're pretty good at it, but I actually I like the Lions here. I'm going with SEL. One I'm thing taking... I wanted, one thing I want to key in on for Southeastern Louisiana is they've got big wins against UIW, 
and Jacksonville State. Right. So that says to me that losing Cole Kelly was not as big of a hit as people might have thought it would be. Right. This team was great with him, and they are still very, very good without him. Absolutely. Look, I'm not going to lie. I'm taking the Idaho Vandals just because I feel like it's going to be fun to take him. I have no real good reason behind it. So I'm going with the heart here, and the heart says go with the Vandals. I respect it, and that's probably going to mean that Idaho is going to win. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) And the eighth and final matchup of the first round of the FCS playoffs, Southeast Missouri State will be heading to Montana. This is the only nationally televised game on regular TV. Everyone else is going to be on ESPN+. Plus. This one's on ESPN2. And, uh, yeah. We, All right. Tug and I talked a little bit on the show Monday about how Montana got into the playoff here. I don't know if you want to rehash that argument, Tug, but uh, feel free right. to comment if you want to. Yeah, so here's the deal. I was picking teams today, and I mixed up which team bought their way into the playoff. And then I remembered as we started the show, oh, that's Montana. So, Doug. On the slides, would you kindly update my pick later tonight uh, to Simo? One. Okay. Uh, two. How is this the nationally televised game? Because Montana bought the slot. I'm telling I was gonna you. Say, I was going to say, was that part of the bid package too? Like, probably, actually. Oh, my God. No, I'm sorry. The fact yeah. that there's even a bid system for the FCS playoffs tells me like we've all been saying hey look the fcs does it why can't the fbs do it this is why because then literally every sec and big 10 team would be in with a sprinkling of big 12 and pac 12 and acc just because they're gonna have the best bids right i yeah it's uh it's not cool here, here's my assessment. Montana doesn't even deserve to be in here. They haven't won against a an opponent with a winning record. Uh, so this is going to be SEMO, and I have nothing else to say on this. SEMO did win the Ohio Valley Conference, by the way. Of course, they tied for first in the OVC with UT Martin. Uh, so it went to a coin toss. These what is with not... the FCS and coin they tosses? Didn't, they, didn't they didn't together. meet in the regular season. So this one I understand. They had the same record. They had the same standings. Point and, differential. Uh, I uh, know. I know. But it's more fun if we went to a coin toss. So no, it's not. <laughs> it absolutely is more fun. You just hate fun. You're but also he... an anti-bowl guy. You think Look, there should be fewer bowl games and you're fucking wrong. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. <laughs> There's no reason that SEMO is in and UT Martin is not. They should okay. both be in. Right? So who whoever gets... Okay. The, I mean, I don't think you can realistically do that if you're going to keep the number of teams in the playoff consistent. There is a real-world scenario where, like, four teams tie at the top of a conference that gets an auto bid. You can't just get them all in. There no, have it, to be some tiebreakers. Montana I, didn't need to be in. That's what I'm I, saying. So I'm, I'm looking at this with a few different 7-4 and four teams. That's where I'm coming at with this. And all those 7-4 and four teams are hosting, which tells me they only got in because of the bids they told the FCS they could bring. I'll also this, say, you're talking about Montana didn't have a win over a team above 500. Neither did SEMO. I mean, they went 9-2, and two, but the OVC was absolute dog shit. 
The only reason they're in the playoff at all, even at nine and two, is because of that auto bid system, and the Ohio Valley Conference gets that auto bid. So I don't know that either team necessarily deserves to be here. It's just <laughs> I hate. So it. I got I got two things. First, North Dakota is not hosting at seven and four. They're going to Weber State. So we got at least one seven and four team that's not hosting. Right. Second, one seven and four team that deserves to be in too. Second, yeah, Simo didn't beat any. Uh, over 500 teams, but the reason they were able to beat SIU is because they were able to do something that Salukis weren't able to do all season, and that is finish a game out. Regardless of whether Montana deserves to be in or not, being able to finish a game plays into SEMO's favor very, yeah. very well. I mean, we're all picking SEMO. I don't think we really need to make huge arguments for them here. It's just a, <laughs> I don't think either team really deserves to be here. <laughs> just being honest. Uh man, FCS playoffs is fun. There's, There's also nonsense. fucking nothing to do in Cape Girardeau. Why are the auto bids not the home teams? I could keep going on on this list. <laughs> like, I don't think the auto bids need to be home teams. That's not necessarily fair. What if a what if there's a, like a four loss team gets an auto? Hold bid? on, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I mean, you want the auto bid to be the home team here. But you are the first person to bitch whenever a wild card team has a better record than the NFC East. Hold on, because here's the deal: Are these guys over 500? Both teams are, yes. Yeah. In this case, yes. Okay. In the case we're talking about with the NFL, when I complain about it, it's okay. when they're sub 500. This is a whole other discussion. I yeah. think. There could be a time and place where we have a deep discussion of what the FCS playoffs should look like. I don't think this is the time and or place. I right, say we go ahead and move on. We made our picks for the first round, and let's <laughs> let's get out of here with uh... I'm mad now. I see that. No let's way. <laughs> not, not at you guys, at the system. So um, let's talk about some prospects. <laughs> some NFL draft prospects to watch out for this weekend. Uh, first up, I do have UTSA wide receiver Sakari Franklin. Uh, why am I taking the second leading receiver on a group of five team? This is a very fair question. I also think Sakari Franklin is very good at football and enjoy watching him play. So there's also that. Um, number one and number two receivers for UTSA are seniors. They're playing with Frank Harris, who is a veteran quarterback and won't be at UTSA next year either. Um, this is kind of a huge season for UTSA. They lost in overtime to Houston in week one, I believe it was, and that really shaped a lot of the narrative around this Roadrunners team. But they're 10-2. and two. They're playing very well in all phases of the game. And Zachary Franklin himself is putting together another great season. Very clear path to breaking 1,000 yards for the second consecutive year. And I love the way he plays. Very consistent. Very intermediate route focused. But as a 6-1 guy, that's kind of what I expect you to be able to do. The fact he's able to create that separation so consistently interests me. And... I just like watching UTSA games. I gotta be honest, this whole offense is fun, so it gives me an excuse to watch the Roadrunners. <laughs> and he's got a single digit on the, on his chest. That means he's a leader and a guy that they're expecting to perform well for True. this Roadrunners team. So absolutely love the pick here. 
Yeah, and he, that number got changed. He was double digits until this season. So, exactly. Yeah. Next Great up tradition on defense, there. On defense, uh, Ivan Pace Jr., linebacker for Cincinnati. This is his first season with the Bearcats. Previous to this, he was playing for Miami of Ohio and the Red Hawks. Didn't get a whole lot of love out of high school, uh, really only getting consideration for that max teams around him. But he's from Cincinnati, so he's going home, playing with his brother now at Cincinnati. Like, there's a lot of ties here. And uh, we're seeing it in the stats. He's performing very well. 19 TFLs, 9 sacks as an on-ball linebacker for Cincinnati. Uh, This is back-to-back seasons with over 100 tackles. Last year, of course, with Miami of Ohio. And there's a couple of games to go yet for Cincinnati. Uh, It's very likely they play in that AAC title game and a bowl game. Uh, We're potentially looking at three games left on the season for him. He might break that 125 of last year in total tackles. They might be looking at a New Year's Six Bowl, too. It's possible. He doesn't create a whole lot of turnovers. I've liked to see that he's getting his hands on the football a little bit more in recent years. Um, That 2020 year might look a little bit low. Got to keep in mind that's only over three games with a COVID-shortened season. But that 2021 and 2022 stats are out of this world. Yeah, He's absolutely on pace to be a day-two draft pick right now. He's... I, I wanted a layup, <laughs> put it that way. So, so, <laughs> I wanted to take a guy that will definitely be drafted, and he is definitely going to be drafted. <laughs> you said he's an on-ball linebacker. Is he a Mike in a 4-3 system? Um, they, Cincinnati does kind of move people around a little bit. I don't know exactly what you would call his position. They just call him a linebacker. I was going to say, just, it's, he, doesn't, he doesn't play in coverage at all. Put it okay. that way. And he rushes the passer pretty frequently, but not necessarily going to be – he's not He's not an off-ball, drop-back cover guy. So that's just the distinction I was trying yeah, to make. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, no, just – I just want to make sure because these stats scream, which you're already telling me it's not. Uh, if, he, if he's not drop-back in coverage, he's not a Mike linebacker, but these stats scream 4-3 Mike linebacker where the entire goal of the system right. is to funnel in everything to the middle linebacker. But this is – yeah, that's definitely not the case, I would say. I was going to say, this but is even more eye-opening now that I right. I know that. Like, right. this is nuts. Right. No, Ivan Pace is very good at football. <laughs> He's very good at stopping the football. That is that is true. Uh, but I believe that's all we have for the show. Unless we have some international football to talk about. I did see, uh, like, Mexico's... Collegiate National Championship just wrapped up. Congrats to whoever won Japan. that. Because I have Japan. Idea. Yeah, Japan's did as well. <laughs> Game's cool. growing. Maybe, maybe cool. one day we'll have a real football World Cup instead of whatever the sham FIFA is putting on over in Qatar. Look, dude, hold on. Now that you brought it up, I need to bring it up. Did you guys see what Group A is for the FIFA World Cup this year? Tell me if tell me if this group of countries sounds familiar to you. Germany, Japan. Russia and Italy. That's uh, that feels too good to be true. I'm Dude, afraid. I'm they, they they made they made the group access powers like they literally just took them all with them in one group. I, 
factually incorrect. Okay. What thank, do you mean? Thank you. It is Qatar, Netherlands, Ecuador, and Senegal. You got married, my man. I got memed by a friend. Yes. The meme should. is fantastic. He it showed me a picture correct. of it. Is the is the group still is is there a group with because I know Japan's in Germany's I just don't know. Uh, Actually, yeah, it might not, that might not be Group A, but it might be a group. That is a yeah. good point. I'm looking through. Let's see, <laughs> did Russia even qualify? Is Russia allowed to qualify? That's the next question. <laughs> uh, yes, they question. are because it's not the IOC that's in charge. It is true. Uh, it's FIFA, who's corrupt as hell and allows anybody to play as long as they have enough money. Mm-hmm. Looking at you, Qatar. Uh, no, so Group E is Germany, Japan, Spain, and Costa Rica. Okay. Holy so shit, me. shit on Costa Rica. My, my friend showed me this and absolutely memed me because it was beautifully photoshopped. Yeah. Well. That's what everybody wants. Right. And also, you're susceptible to memeing, so. You're not wrong. <laughs> Josh's That's name an is Barry McCockner. Must be real. That's an invitation, by the way. Join our Discord. Meme tug to death. We will definitely allow it. I will create a page, like a, a channel in there, just for you guys to meme me. Like, I mean, we got to mix in some real content just so oh, no, Tug no. stays on his toes. Yeah, it's fair. But he might believe everything anyway, so <laughs> it's fair game. Hey, guys, did you see this in the which, Discord? Speaking of which, that Discord link is scrolling across the bottom of the screen and will be in the podcast description along with all of our other social media links. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, we're most active on Twitter, by the way. But, you know, there's other stuff, too. If you want to follow us on Instagram, you want to check out our website. Just think BDT Football. Our Twitch, our YouTube is spelled out, Big Dudes in the Trenches. Uh, all those links are in the description of the podcast, and we would definitely appreciate you checking us out. Absolutely. Hey, you know, I've been missing out on uh, our Monday show. I haven't been able to give you guys a fact in a while. So I figured, why not meld the two together? Uh, so, did you know that meat eaten as comfort food can also be an emotional support animal? That is real. So, alright. Funny story. Kind of related to that. Today, Obviously, Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving once again, by the way. Your emotional support animal, Tom? No. Um, let me finish the fucking story. <laughs> so, my sister, her husband, and my nephew, they're all vegan. Uh, which means for Thanksgiving today, when they came over, we had a vegan Thanksgiving. I'm sorry. Um, I have never been so fucking desperate for a slice of bacon as I am right now. I need my emotional support animals. <laughs> Our plan is we're going to have a traditional Thanksgiving fair on Saturday in time for the game and my dad to be off work. So it's going to work out in the end, but holy shit, today was something else. <laughs> That's I'll say because you won't because it's family today. It was probably fucking awful. It sounds awful. <laughs> Look, here's the deal. That just means they never host Thanksgiving again as far as I'm concerned. I will have vegan options for them. Like, I will give you that, but... Uh, it, no, no, my parents hosted, and we just accommodated the vegans. Um, 
which oh no oh no 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 yeah it's all right it's all right it is what it is before doug cries on air i'm gonna take us out of here boys you good with that (laughs) yes sir all right ladies and gentlemen happy thanksgiving thank you for watching aaron or listening and just remember you can't win a game if you can't win the trenches